He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. I have to admit, it's not the first way that I think of Jesus. Maybe it's just my personality, I'm not sure, but when I think about my relationship with Jesus, I think of him as Lord, as Savior, as King. He's the Son of God. But what my mind doesn't often jump to, at least not right away, is that Jesus is also my friend. And what a profound thing that is. Why don't I think of him in that way? I think part of it is probably because this word friend has really fallen on hard times in contemporary society. And this is where I could get up on my soapbox and talk about all the ways that we have hollowed out the meaning of friendship when to be on Facebook, you're friends with somebody that maybe you've never even met before. And people in Congress speak of my friend across the aisle when you're like, I'm not sure that you guys are actually friends. There's all the ways that we have emptied out the meaning of that word friend. But maybe even more pointedly is the way that friendship itself has fallen on hard times. Did you know that in the 1980s, there was less than 8% of Americans who would say that they have no one close whom they can talk to with matters of importance? In the 80s, it was around 8%. In the mid -two, by the mid-2000s, that number had quadrupled. So that now about 30% of Americans would say they don't have a single person whom they can really go to to talk about with, with matters of real importance. And less than 50% of Americans have more than three friends. Friendship itself has fallen on hard times, and, and maybe that's part of why, for me at least, I have a hard time thinking of Jesus as my friend. But there it is. Our Lord says it straight away. He wants to insist upon it. You are my friends. As disciples of Jesus, you're not only disciples, you're not only children of God, you are also friends of the Savior, friends of the King. And this morning, I want to meditate on that fact. I want to linger on it a little bit and think more deeply of what it means for you and me to be friends of the King and to let our Lord lead the way in defining what that really means. The first thing that I want to draw your attention to that Jesus mentions here is maybe a surprising thing. And to get at it, I want to mention some research that's been done in the area of decision making. So researchers have uh, tried to wrestle through when you're faced with a really tough decision, you know, those kind of complex things with lots of variables, those ones that feel really weighty, those ones that keep you up at night, like, should I do this or should I do that? What's the right thing to do here? Researchers have found that there is one simple question that can cut through all of the clutter and that brings stunning clarity when you are really struggling with, with making a decision. And that simple question they found is this. What would you tell your best friend to do? What would you tell your best friend to do? There's something about that question where suddenly the fog is able to lift and it can become stunningly obvious. Oh yeah, this is what I would tell them to do. Because to be a friend is to be an advisor. And this is the, the first aspect, the, the definition of friendship as Jesus lays it out. To be a friend is to be an advisor. Now, not only that Jesus is an advisor to you and me, which of course is the case, but also, incredibly, he invites you and me to be advisors to him. 
Now, in fact, this is what it means to be friends of the king. That phrase, friends of the king, was almost a technical term in the ancient world. Jesus uh, sets up this contrast. He says, no longer do I call you servants because servants don't know what their master is doing. A, a servant is a yes man. It's not his job to be familiar with all the inner workings of the king and how everything is being, all the, all the decisions are being made and what's happening, but it's simply to say, yes, okay, I will follow and do. But to be a friend of the king in the ancient world meant that you were something like a, a cabinet secretary. It's someone that's, that has the king's ear, so is privy to how decisions are made, and not only that, is able to participate in the implementation of those decisions. When Jesus calls you and me his friends, friends of the king, you are being elevated to that kind of status, that now you are able to bend the ear of God Almighty, and he listens. Think about Abraham. In the Old Testament, Abraham was the consummate friend of the king. He knew that he had the Lord's ear. And you think of that moment when uh, God says what he's going to do to the town of Sodom. And Abraham stands in the breach and prays. He wrestles with the Lord. Lord, surely for 50 righteous people, you would not destroy that town. And God says, yeah, for 50, I wouldn't do it. Abraham, pressing his luck. How about 40? <laughs> For 40, I wouldn't do it. And on and on it goes. Now, you know the story. You know that ultimately it still didn't end well for that town. But that was nothing against Abraham. In fact, he was embracing his responsibility as a friend of the king, one who has the Lord's ear and who was able to, to participate in his decision-making. That's the responsibility that you and I have as well as friends of our Lord Jesus, to bring these things before him in prayer. Those people, those decisions, those matters that you're struggling with and wrestling with, to lay them before him. Now you might be thinking, well, I'm not sure that I'm really in a position to be giving Jesus advice, right? I'm not even all that good at giving my friends advice, my earthly friends. Now I'm going to give my heavenly friend advice and tell him how to run things. Of course, other times we're all too eager to do that, right? But listen, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the risen Jesus. He is the one who enables and empowers you to do so faithfully, uh, to, to be that friend of the King. You think of Romans 8.26, which says that having been filled with the Holy Spirit, that Spirit offers groanings that words cannot express. In that way, the Spirit intercedes for us. So that even when you just lay someone's name before the Lord, you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to say, but you just set them before your friend Jesus. Then the Spirit goes to work, interceding with groanings that words can't express. It's the responsibility that we have as friends of the King to be his advisor. What a thing. What a thing to be a friend in that way of our Lord Jesus, our constant companion. And this is the second part of this definition, that not only are we advisors to Jesus, but that he is your constant companion and mine. Some of you know that last week, my family and I, we decided to do something a little bit strange uh, on May 1st. And I say my family, it was actually just Lewis and me, but I don't wanna brag. Um, <clears throat> we went for a dip in Lake Michigan on May 1st. 
It was a little bit chilly. The water was probably around 50 degrees, maybe a little bit lower than that. I didn't spend a lot of time in there. Yes, I got my head all the way underwater, and then I got out. And you wonder, Pastor, there's got to be a good reason for why you in the world that you would do that. And there is. We've got uh, some friends, Jason and Megan Hover, and they're the godparents of our oldest son, Sam. And they've been friends forever. And just the dearest friends, constant companions in our lives. They have been there for us and with us every step of the way as we have you know, traveled all over the country. They've been there. They've, they're the only friends we have that have visited us in every place that we live. When Sam was baptized, I was on vicarage in Tucson, Arizona. They flew out to Tucson to make sure that they were there. My first parish in California to Monterey, they visited. It wasn't that hard to persuade them to visit there, but be that as it may. Up in Washington, they came and visited up, up there. And when I was installed here at Trinity Lutheran a few years ago, they were sitting right here, the whole family. They're great friends, constant companions. <sighs> Dang it. Uh, and Megan uh, has been stricken with breast cancer and is battling that, and battling that uh, really, really well. And she had told me once how her family, they grew up in Petoskey, every year on May 1st, their whole family, no matter what, would take a dip in the lake. So why did we go into Lake Michigan? Because of my friends. My constant companions have showed me what it means to be friends. And so it is for our Lord Jesus your constant companion and mine. Remember the last words of our Lord in the Great Commission, lo, I am what? With you always. See, And the wonderful hymn we sang a moment ago captures it so beautifully. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Our Lord Jesus is there for you and me every step of the way. He is always there with us, always, always wanting to hear from us. And in that respect, especially on today, we might think of another dear friend that we are all blessed with. We think of our moms. And I know for some of you this morning, your moms have already passed on. Perhaps for some of you, you've had a difficult relationship with your mom. Even still, we recognize how our mothers have served that role in so many ways. Those constant companions, the friendship that we have. I'm so grateful for my own mom as the one who I know I'm always able to call upon. And just like my mom is always delighted to hear from me, especially today, okay, all of us, call your mom, right? How much more does our Lord Jesus delight to hear from you and me all the time as our constant companion on the journey of life. That's who he is. Jesus, our friend, who sacrifices everything for our sake. And that's the last thing I want to lift up about this definition of friendship as Jesus sets it before us. And really the foundational thing. That he sacrifices for us. Greater love hath no man than this. That he lay down his life for his friends. Christ Jesus gives us the, the paradigm, the picture. This is what it means to be a friend as he sacrifices for us. And here I think of a, a book that's become one of my favorite stories, even though it's called a children's book. It's really timeless. And on a recent road trip, the family and I had an opportunity to, to listen to the audio book again. That's the book Charlotte's Web. And I hope you're familiar with this. If you're not, you can borrow my copy. Okay. Uh, it's the story of a, of a pig 
and a spider. That doesn't sound like a scintillating story, but believe me, it's really, really good. And this poor pig, Wilbur, he learns some bad news, that he is being groomed for Christmas dinner. <laughs> he's just flabbergasted by this. He's crying out, how can this be? What's going to happen to me? I don't want to die. And then Charlotte the spider pipes up. She says, okay, just relax. I can't stand hysterics. <laughs> I'm going to save you, she says. How are you going to do that? Well, that's the rest of the story. It involves some wonderful web weaving and some magical, miraculous words. Some pig, some pig. And there's this touching moment toward the end of the tale when, indeed, uh, Charlotte has saved Wilbur. And in many respects, at the sacrifice of her own life, expending herself for his sake. And Charlotte says to Wilbur, Wilbur, your future is assured. You will live secure and safe, Wilbur. Nothing can harm you now. When he recovered from his emotion, Wilbur spoke up. Why did you do all this for me, he asked. I don't deserve it. I've never done anything for you. You've been my friend, replied Charlotte. That in itself is a tremendous thing. I wove my webs for you because I liked you. And such is the love of our Lord Jesus, our friend, for you and me. Your future is assured and secure. You need not fear because he has sacrificed for you. Why? We don't deserve it. We haven't done anything for him. But simply because he is your friend. And not only does he love you, get this, he likes you. <laughs> and look, in this age especially, this is some glad good news indeed. Not only because the word friend has in many ways lost its meaning, but because too many of us have lost our friends. But you know that in Christ Jesus, you have a friend indeed, one who is loyal to the very end, who is with you always as your constant companion, one whom you can always bend his ear, that friend who went down through death and came back again in order to make you his friend. He came back so deep does he love you and like you and care for you always. And he always wants to hear from you. He always delights for you to call on him just like mom. So don't forget either of those things. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our faith.